0: Lifestyle brand and gaming organization 100 Thieves is all the buzz right now. That's because it's more than an esports league. It's original content, it's fashion, it's talent management of some of the biggest entertainers in the creator space. And Mike Aransky is the company's executive producer. How does one find themselves as the executive producer and a very early team member of a company that had their Series A funding, co-led by Scooter, Braun, and Drake? In this episode, Mike Oransky walks us through his career creating shorts and movies, working for ESPN while having a side passion for video games, chasing his dream of being involved in E3, working for IGN, and his current focus as executive producer of A 100 Thieves. Such a fun journey as Mike articulates the ups and downs side ventures and risks he took along the way. Enjoy awesome well i'm so glad to have with us uh mike aransky the executive producer for a hundred thieves um, and as a little background, we just went through a, a lot of production hiccups on my end that Mike was patient enough to walk me through. So, uh, really just shows his, his dedication to the craft, but, uh, Mike, thank you so much for coming on to discuss your career and, uh, your work in this space.
1: Uh, no problem, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, sort of as we, we teased earlier, but. Uh, I'd love for this to be kind of a walkthrough of your career because I know you did have earlier roles working in more traditional production and now you've moved over to the digital space. Um, I say now like it's new, but you've clearly been in this space for quite some time. So uh, I guess if you can talk to your early career ambitions and uh, clearly you always had your sights set on production, but what did you originally envision that to be versus... Uh, you know the the area you've now found yourself in in the video game space. Sure.
1: Uh, yeah, I I came into the space. I mean, <laughs> I've been in production for what twenty plus years at this point. And uh, I've been in uh, multiple spots inside the space, for sure. Uh, Big gamer, for sure, also, too. But uh, I've kind of grown up in uh, content and that because I basically was trying to grow to become a a filmmaker and a production person uh, really early on in my career. And uh, then I basically started with... Moving
0: through a bunch of different levels of—I uh, don't even know where to start in this because I don't want to bore your audience either. But no, please, I want—I want, I want editor slash photographer at CBS News because I think it is so interesting too. You know, there is such a ladder to Hollywood, um, and you know, clearly this was some territory you navigated before you got to where you are now.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's—it's uh, it's super interesting. Basically, uh, I've had of kind of a career in the networks. And then I've kind of had a career going on side lanes of doing stuff, ambition stuff of like new projects and new kind of things while all that stuff is kind of happening. So basically uh, like early times I've worked over at CBS as a an editor for just like regular news moved over to uh, had an opportunity to go over ESPN and did that for like a, uh, oh my gosh three and a half years i think almost at espn as an editor over there for sports center and uh like nba tonight nfl tonight all the other all those channels at that point and um so i did a lot of that stuff and uh while we're doing that i was kind of baking some movies on the side with my friends uh production has always been kind of like the thing that has been like you you know means to an end, but also stuff. It's fun where you can get creative with your friends and learn how to do stuff. So we basically did a lot of our own like shorts and movies back at those times, and um, yeah, and then uh, did that whole thing with ESPN for three and a half years, and kind of had this weird revelation. And this is a weird one. Like I guess if we're talking gaming and all this, um, we uh, I've always wanted to go to, uh, and I don't know if your uh, if your audience knows about E three, but E three hmm. is kind of like the the end all or like the big parade for all gaming, it was like in, in June, it's like the thing where it, they announce all the big games. You get hands on with the games for the first time and all that kind of fun stuff like that. And so back in the days, uh, E3 was not meant it was not open to the outside community. It was only like people in the publishing industry and in journalism industry and people who are just like, you know, uh, EB Games or GameStop and stuff like that. That was back in those days that was purchasing games. So big sales floor thing. Um, so, uh, <laughs> selfishly, I wanted to figure out a way to get there. And so, uh, we had taken a trip early in my age, in the early twenties that, uh, me and my buddies, we were thinking about going to California. And, uh, during that time we went across the coast, we went from LA, we drove down to, um, like San Diego and then up to, uh, San Francisco. And, uh, when I went out to San Francisco, we discovered a couple of interesting things that kind of started kind of opening my eyes to the game space and new ways to kind of uh, activate in the game space. Uh, and that thing was like they had land gaming centers. That was like a big thing back in those days. So that was like a kind of like the uh, post arcade world in which like people got together and played in like, you know, land centers gaming at that point. And this was like early on when like Counter Strike. Well, Counter-Strike still a big deal. That's the craziest part about it. But like Counter-Strike and like uh, Battlefield, early Battlefield and stuff like that was going around. And so everyone was really jumping on that. I mean, Call of Duty even too, um, was kind of jumping around at that point. And so uh, we popped our heads in this place. I was like blown away by this idea of like, oh, wait a minute, you could do this. You could actually have a space for gamers to hang out together with your friends, play games, and, uh, just have a good time playing games because nothing beats like getting together with your friends and playing games, you know? So, uh, to me, I, I was really impressed and I thought it was really interesting. And then on the side of that, like PlayStation, Sony had a store at the time. There was actually like a Sony store that used to have like PlayStation games and stuff like that. It's a really unique thing. You don't see, I don't think there was many, if there was any other than the one in San Francisco that
0: they had. I know exactly. Uh, the Metreon. Yes.
1: Yeah. 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 And, uh, exactly. Um, yeah. And uh, that's right. You're coming from the San Francisco area, so you actually <laughs> know this stuff. That's super funny. Uh, yeah. So I, I remember getting there and going, "Wow, this is really cool." And, like, gaming has gotten to another level now. You know, where it's becoming more universal across like uh, audience, a little more mainstream, right? You know, because gaming before that point has always been kind of this like weird. Like, you're in it. You're. It's not really cool, but it's cool because people are playing still. And you know, we went through the Nintendo era and the Sega era, and we were definitely in this interesting time where gaming was starting to uh, evolve into something special, you know, Xbox was dropping, uh, PlayStation was dropping, and all those things were starting to become kind of like a a territory of gamers became universally known and accepted in in the space, you know. And so uh, I found that as a really interesting moment for my career, my life, and I was like at ESPN for three and a half years, and I wanted to try something new, um that was different so (laughs) i did a real dumb thing and i used all my credit cards and uh with a friend of mine we opened up this small little land gaming center in our downtown area uh to get people together and start playing games it was called the house of games it's called the hog the kids called it uh yeah it was it was cool man it was a lot of fun it was like you have to be you know a brick and mortar a brick and mortar owner uh, I don't see that one five times fast. Oh. Um, and it was it was cool to have this like the storefront and just like this your own space inside there, you know. Uh, so it
0: was it was cool. We did that for about like I said about three ish years, I guess almost. Um, and Mike, if I, if I can quickly ask you uh, about the the store specifically, when you first uh, decided that, all right, I I'm so inspired by this, I want to create my own. Was this, in your mind, uh, sort of a divergence from your path as filmmaking, editing, producing? Were you thinking, all right, I'm, I'm going to depart that in order to explore this vertical um, and open a brick and mortar store, go into business? Or was this all along the same ambition of, oh no, I'm sure this could probably lead to something production oriented?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say that it was like a weird little thing. Like I, I always wanted to be like a business owner. Like there was something special about having your own place, you know? And I just looked at this as a really interesting opportunity and yeah, you're right. Like it was definitely a weird balancing thing. Cause it was like trying to make some movies on the side and we're like, you know, like, uh, it's, there's not a lot of money in the movie making business unless you're like top echelon. Yeah. So inevitably it was like something fun where we're just doing it on the side in hopes that it would grow to that. Um, so we had, because we had done up to that point, I believe we had done our 60 millimeter film. It was like a feature that we had done on a shoestring budget and had got around. In fact, it got actually written up in New York Times and a bunch of places. And uh, yeah, it was definitely like in this weird crossroads in my life, like in my early, my, I guess it would be my early 20s. No, I guess it would be my mid-20s at that point with the whole store thing. So it was definitely something where I was like, do I become a business owner or do I get into this content? And I kind of burnt out of content because doing the three and a half years at ESPN, it's, it's pretty intense. You work some crazy shifts, like the job at Working Sports uh, Editing is usually like a four to three in the morning shift. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So it was like it really messed me up and it was doing that for a, a bit, you know. Uh, um, a lot of really good people there and people very passionate and love sports. Uh, I'm not a super sports fan. Uh, I, I, I appreciate with the passion and love
0: of sports fans but I personally don't follow many. Teams of any. That's so interesting. Because uh, I was going to say, likewise, I, I don't follow any of those traditional sports. But I was thinking you must have been somebody who was, uh, you know, one of those uh, amazing hybrid people who was so passionate about sports, but you maybe were also passionate about video games. And that led into something. But for you, I guess, uh, the early days ESPN, it really was just a job to sort of establish yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, very much. I was like, I had gotten out of, uh, I had gotten out of school and it was basically like, I wanted to be in production and, uh, ESPN was like in, like basically the town over from us. So it was like one of those, like, oh, well, you know, if you can get your foot in the door, this is a good start and whatnot, you know, um, And it was such an interesting cause like that ESPN time was like, uh, it was the before non-linear editing of time. So it was a lot of tape to tape editing and uh, beta cam SPs, running them down the hallway, getting them to air, that kind of stuff. Like it was crazy bonkers time, Um, but yeah, it it definitely wasn't, uh, the world of sports is not the world I was looking to buy into more that I like the idea of being involved in something on that level in production. So uh, it was a cool opportunity didn't expect to interview with them and just, it happened. It just became one of those things where it just like just the right time, right place kind of scenario. And it just happened for that. So, um, but I, I mean, I appreciate again, like being around hardcore sports fans, it it just, you, you get (laughs) a sense and you have a better understanding of that world that you might not just been really into, you know, like I'm a big old dork who loves, you know, movies and games and geeky, shit that like basically it's not it's not completely a polar opposite of the fans that were a lot of like hardcore into the sports world so but I get why they're loved because I love my geeky shit and they love their sports and like we all understand passion so
0: yeah and and I guess on that to your geeky shit which uh you know obviously you found that beautiful blend of I can work my career into my passion and these two things can intertwine beautifully Um, And it is interesting because probably around the time you were doing the ESPN stuff, um, I mean, forgive my ignorance here, but I'm thinking about it. I I don't know. Did video game content, uh, was there any semblance of video game entertainment outside of maybe G4 or tech TV? Or uh, obviously it wasn't to the scale we have now. But at that point, was it even a possibility in your mind?
1: Uh, G4 was definitely the creme la creme at the time. Uh, that was kind of the, such a weird time. I'm, not, I'm like, I'm having, it's weird. Cause you had asked me like, can we talk about your past? I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I haven't done this conversation in a while. And it's just weird. Cause I'm starting to realize a lot of these things, how full circle a lot of this is, but yeah, like, uh, G4 was something I really wanted to be a part of. Um, and I remember I used to cold call to G4 and try to get an opportunity to work with them, but it was like, I would do that a ton, in hopes to do it. And I like, I got really close with like somebody, but basically the problem was I wasn't on the West coast. I was on the East coast. And there was definitely, I think that was definitely the hindrance that, that I learned over time from that, from sure uh, that uh, it was, you know, at the time too bad, but inevitably it kind of gone has gone through its cycle at this point, which is great. But yeah, I mean, gaming content was in, wasn't much. I mean, you had that and some really weird shows before that as a kid that were video game shows, but that was about it. Like there wasn't a much for game, gaming content at that point. So, yeah. Wow. But I always, yeah. I always, always had a, aspirations to figure out a way if there was to make gaming and content. It just seemed clear to me that like content and gaming were always kind of like the two kind of intertwined things that they just, at the time, just wasn't there yet. You know? So
0: that that is something I'm, I'm really eager to explore as well. Um, because, you know, I, I think if you look at the trends, you know, you see, okay, this is something that's continuing to boom. But I wonder for you, uh, at what point was the aha moment of, okay, wow, uh, this is only going to grow and the request for entertainment that's in this field and in this vertical, uh, it's only going to grow further. So uh, when did you sort of realize, all right, if, if I want to go down a path of video game production uh, content that is within this space, uh, there's going to be a massive, massive audience for this
1: uh yeah dude i don't know i mean i'll be Frank it's like <laughs> it's it's like a really interesting it, it's it's grown in the background a ton like uh, after just to kind of play and catch up to the timeline it helps the story a little is that after the whole store thing happened and that all went down to, and it kind of made it to its end um the uh i went to work at nbc at 30 rockefeller plaza in new york as on a, a team that was called Digital Studios. Um, and the reason I was brought on this team was this was basically the beginning of YouTube, um, which is interesting because basically I was on the ground floor seeing YouTube start from nothing. Um, and so my part of that job was basically I was brought in. Uh, on this digital studios team to come in and start developing. We had we had nothing. We had like no equipment or anything at the time. We were it was all starting from the ground up at NBC. It was really nuts, weird time for sure. Uh, but we did a lot of crazy sponsor branded content through that. That was kind of what we started as, like a branded content team. But then um, we uh, I was I got the opportunity. uh this there's a little bit of a weird side side thing. But basically, one of the things we did is we did a piece of content at NBC that became a huge viral success Um, that gave me, what's that? Do tell, what was the uh, viral success? (laughs) Yeah, so this is a really crazy story, but there's this thing called the Easter Bunny Hates You that we made. Um, if you look it up, you can see about a bazillion copies of this thing that we made at the time, and uh, like NBC's label wasn't even on the back of it. We had done it inside there, and they, it was a bit of a, like an experimental thing that they, they thought they were playing with, and inevitably it caught fire, and it was pretty amazing that it did keep fire. So by it keeping fire, like it was, it gave me a little bit more gas in the tank to do things there that were not typical within that branded content vertical. Um, And one of those things was actually like a video game parody show uh, that was uh, called Loaded Cartridge, and it was bought by .comedy.com, which was an NBC vertical at the time, Um, and it was video game comedy content, Um, and so that was like a weird interesting moment of like, oh like there's interest on this it only happened I mean, dot comedy basically came up and disappeared very quickly there was like this weird boom of like original content verticals that started happening all around the internet uh once youtube became like ooh, like there's a lot to be had here because right. um, the digital studios team are, like are really it's so funny like one of the bigger conversations always was hey how can we make more viral hits like uh Lazy Sunday, like <laughs> that was like wow, a thing because you know it was, it was NBC's time and it just it popped and it became like oh wait a minute there, um yeah so the interesting thing was that all happened these funny thing happened the 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 comedy gaming content thing happened very short time before this sector died basically and then I we left uh, I left with a bunch of the guys there at NBC we went and started our own company uh, because we saw content was becoming its own like more it's like video games and content became two things I played across the table for a really long time, which is super interesting. The um, so Black Twenty uh, became a company that we came together with was with the Easter Bunny team that, at NBC, came together and created our own original content vertical. Basically, we were like head-to-head competitors with um, College Humor, um, right? And yeah, if you're familiar with that, then you're familiar with kind of what this content looks like. But inevitably, it's a lot more. We were like day-to-day content and we did a lot of like comedy-based stuff and fun kind of just living in the world of internet content stuff. Uh, A lot of great stuff. I did a show called Network for like 80 episodes and like that was crazy. Um, But uh, the interesting thing, and this is where the line of the video game goes in the content conversation happens, um, was I developed a little series. After a while, I was doing Network for every week. Um, It was called Citizens of Grand Theft Auto. I did this little thing. It popped uh, really well. The first one, IGN, uh, which would kind of add, add to if, this line.
0: If you don't mind me asking, where was this distributed? Uh, all the content? Yes. Uh, the the uh, GTA original that you made. Was it across YouTube? Was it on uh, your guys' original website? How did it gain traction? Uh, it was on. So <laughs> at the time we were trying to make our own player inside, inside of our channel, but also
1: we also put it on YouTube too, and that's where it busted through with YouTube. Gotcha. So, and uh, you know we were we were kind of already talking with IGN about other things altogether, and they bought this little series, and we did a few. I think we did five episodes through IGN, uh, which if anyone is not familiar with IGN is um, <laughs> Imagine Games Network. But inevitably, like uh, it's it's one of the biggest at the time. It was up. It was kind of upcoming. And it, it was still pretty popular at the time because IGN was like one of the few that was out there as like the review preview news site for gaming that you had to go to to learn all that. And IGN was kind of growing its kind of video vertical at the same time we were doing our video vertical. So like it became kind of this like nice little marriage of the two because they wanted some outside content to come into their channel and we wanted to help them because it helped our company and we did our thing for a while. So, Um, so yeah, it was, it was a really interesting moment because that was when video game content started to kind of flood into
0: our youtube comedy content world um and then and is, is it at this point is it at this point you're going okay so this is my career it is video game related content production are you a hundred percent at this point in your career that all right this is the route uh no <laughs> interesting okay well, you're going to have to elaborate on that. So let me, I'll
1: pick up a little steam in the back end of the storyline. Uh, the big twist here is that we, uh, we ended our time with Black 20 about like three and a half years. Again, well, like the timeline all seems about the same Every one of these places. Um, where um, we, uh, we separated, basically Fox had bought a chunk of the company. And uh, we kind of left our own our path and moved on. And I basically went back home, reset it, got married and did all that fun stuff. And I was, I actually went to go work in news at that point. So I had this little time where this like thing had blown up and it done really well. And this channel was a big thing for us, like success, YouTube content, da da da. you know. Um, and it's so interesting because YouTube is such a big presence of like the creator space now, at the time it was not that space. We were like kind of new on that territory before it became a thing. Um Lo and behold, after about maybe, I don't know I think a, probably a year after the whole time of going back home and resetting everything, uh, I got a call from IGN to go out there uh, and move my family across country because I was in the East Coast. I was over in Connecticut at that point. And uh, they were like, "Hey, you want to come out here? We need a, we're looking for a senior producer. And uh, they just knew about my work from years ago when I did the Black 20 stuff. So uh, I made my move over there got into that space um like my wife was six months pregnant it
0: was kind of nuts like kind of a (laughs) scenario to be like let's go move the family cross
1: country and if
0: if you don't mind me asking as well and truly if i hope this isn't personal but at that point in time let's say 2012 um you know i think it's about something like news which like it's news people are going to keep watching news like talk about stability where at the same time, was it IGN video game content? Uh, you know, that whole idea of, of going into that space? did that feel a little bit more risky and and like gambling, or was it, okay, you know what? I, I know this field., uh, this is gonna work out absolutely well. This is just as safe as if I stayed right here. Uh, <laughs> no, uh,
1: yeah, I definitely <laughs> thought it was like a huge risk. Like but again, as you if you picked up on these little like, I usually do like one for them, one for me kind of scenario <laughs> that keeps, keeps happening here, which is like, you know, I did the whole ESPN, went to the store, then I went to uh, NBC, then I did Black 20, um, and then I did news, and then this thing happened. And yeah, when they, um, when, <laughs> when they came knocking, I definitely wasn't planning for this. Um, and I definitely got a lot of these, when I, when I had a lot of these talks with them, it was really cool. But I was like, video game content, I believe this is a thing that will be hopefully a success over time. And I loved IGN as a brand. So this was like, I can't get the G4. Well, I guess I'll go to this thing because this will be something that I can get behind because I loved what IGN was already doing. Um, it was a huge risk. And trust me, man. I had so many conversations with my friends <laughs> like and my wife about, like, is this the right move? Like, you know, like, you basically, like... As somebody who was like on the East Coast making a switch over to the West Coast, it's like you know it's pretty daunting as a like a scenario that would happen. But uh, yeah, man. So I, we 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 made a decision. We made the leap. Went out to IGN. Did the gaming content vertical with these guys for oh my god seven years. I was with IGN.
0: Yeah, and this is where I I feel so conflicted because there's so much that you've done at IGN and that you were doing there. I I don't want to force you to go through everything, but... I guess some of those highlights, um, especially when you started, um, because it was so rapidly evolving of, and I'm sure IGN, they weren't even sure exactly how this was going to look. So those early conversations, um, was there a vision that you had of, oh no, this is what this could really be? um, Or was this uh, established early on? Was it something that slowly kind of got figured out? Um, what was the process there for, I guess, uh, uh, creating projects in a space that was so rapidly evolving and, and kind of just trying to find its own footing? Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, well, I mean, IGN
1: had a good foothold on what they kind of were doing the content. I came in, I took over, uh, the show called The Daily Fix, which was, which was like kind of their flagship show at the time. Uh, Which was like a news, daily news show, you know, which is a very standard thing (laughs) across the YouTube space now. But at the time, it was pretty new. It was like, it was refreshing and new in the the game space. It was really cool to see, you know. Um, But they were spreading things out. They had, uh, when I got there, they had started something called um, Start. It was like one of those like YouTube buy-in team deals where like YouTube was paying some money to start the separate channel that was like all fresh brand new content and stuff like that. And so that team was building all this like new content stuff in this vertical side of things. And I thought that was great. But at the same time, I was much more the fixed guy and basically uh, refreshing style and change of like that brand and also uh, trying new things and playing new things with inside the company. And uh, it's it was so interesting because yeah, like um, it was kind of like the Black 20 days where we were all like working in this little building and coming up with new ideas and finding new ways to try to new, like new steps into this content space. There at Black 20, it was more YouTube comedy. Here, this was gaming. And like, in, the good thing about IGN is that it had always this one spot that everyone could always, like we could depend on, which was always reviews, right? Like IGN is synonymous with reviews. And so that that is the bread and butter of content for IGN. So everything else outside of that is like Playfield. And so that became a lot of us being able to kind of grab a camera and edit and just play around with some ideas and see what we could do on the vertical of IGN and see what that could try to transcend for content for them. Um, The interesting thing was, um, I think there's a couple like moments at IGN where I realized things were going in a very unique direction that i kind of wanted to kind of play with and sail with uh the big one was uh i always talk about this is that like i got there in 2012 2013 i believe was when ps4 yeah i think when that's when ps4 was being launched or announced at least that's when they were being announced and when they announced one of the big things they had talked about there was a share button on those controllers and at the time twitch and like justin tv and those things had like been like a a thing but they weren't like a big thing. Like the whole streaming world hadn't like really blown out yet. Right. Um, And like that part is that moment, that share button when you could basically push your, your feeds on your PlayStation to Twitch or whatever, which funny enough, like turns out most people don't stream that way as much anymore. They go to their PC, but at the time it was like a big moment where it's saying, Hey, people are going to be able to just send out their, their game footage and, be able to do this like like early in the days of gaming you it was like a near impossible to get your game footage out there you know and that that moment happened where you could basically just push it to this this twitch and it was like a thing that everyone was able to do and become like overnight content creators so frankly and this is the funniest part about it is like this was this happened and i was like oh shit like the gaming (laughs) content like where i am at ign i'm like i'm I'm gonna be dead like i'm gonna be gone like in like in another year or so because this generation is gonna know how to just do it on their own why do they need a company like us to be involved at that point everybody will be ign you know and uh so i definitely got worried for a hot minute when the streaming world was like starting to grow into something you know um And so it was really interesting and I got really kind of spooked by that moment, but at the same time, like, um, IGN had been around for so long that people like just knew of this brand. The brand was always powerful because of just its notoriety in the space. You know, it's a trusted, it's a trusted entity, you know, IGN, it's like a million people can be game reviewers, but like IGN is like, like one of the few places where if you review a game, you pay attention. Uh, and so that was always kind of the comforting part of it. And IGN also, we started spreading out into bigger parts of the world. Like, you know, like we had like a live, we, we, we'd we be on the floor coverage of E3, be on the floor coverage of, you know, Comic-Con and all that stuff. So we became, we were a bigger asset than that, which was great. And it also became the part that I got most interested with was the branded side of the world. Um, because of being a business owner and understanding to how you're going to have to grow the company like there's only way it's a way you can survive right is by advertising and stuff like that and so it became interesting because i was on the other side and i was seeing that how branding was kind of it was getting a little messy inside the game space uh because you know like there was always like um Uh, there's lots of instances of of scenarios where like sponsor stepped too far into the other spot of things and people were just like "Ooh, looks bad for the brand kind of thing so i basically joined this like early team that was creating branded content uh they started this branded content like pipeline because we were here to basically protect the brand from not going too far into like sponsor zone because like you know like it, it's definitely like this very light touch thing that you could do especially editorial stuff you don't want to ever get near that you know so like it became kind of an interesting opportunity where it's like sponsors are involved helping ign build the brand we're helping it build for them and we're building unique it gives us money basically to create unique content and hopefully find new ways to build audience with inside the ign vertical so um and it was great because all sponsors were really into it because gaming was growing and that was the thing, you know? So it was kind of a great time to be on the train when like the PS4 launch happened. And, you know, that was uh, the Xbox one debacle off the, off the top and all that oh, stuff. Wow. Yeah. Right. Wow. So, just like, such
0: a blast from the past. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: So it was such a weird time to do it, but it'd be also be a part of all that stuff. It was just like, you know, and uh, to its point, you know, I wanted to go to E3 more than anything in the world. And so I would open a business to get to E3 years ago. That was literally the reason why I opened up the house of games. And now I'm working for IGN and I'm on the floor of E3 every year. And this is like, I'm going to like, you know, <laughs> the greatest place in the world for me. Cause I'm like, and I got to go to Comic-Con. So like all wins across all tables. And so it became kind of a great kind of great marriage of all because gaming was becoming so beloved in the space finally, you know?
0: Yeah and and as you talk about it becoming beloved and sort of you alluded to this and it's something that uh you know i feel like we have to go into especially with sponsorships um you talked about there needing to be a light touch approach um so i'm wondering before we even go to the art of how this needs to be done correctly uh what is the evolution that you've noticed of brand's willingness and maybe even eagerness to step into the video game space. Because even for myself, and and this just shows my own blind spot, but you know, when you say 2012, they were going, okay, let's find ways to get into here. You know for some reason my brain goes oh i bet in 2012 they still had a lot of hesitancy but i guess what has that been like that evolution that you've witnessed of walking brands through this process and getting them really open to the idea of embracing the gaming culture
1: uh yeah it was it's uh it's an interesting evolution for sure uh i think game well now it's like it's very like accepted at this point uh, it's, it's like so deep into the zeitgeist of mainstream now that people don't eat like sponsors. Don't even, I don't, I don't, you know, at the time it was a really interesting, uh, for sure. It was definitely, uh, a weird kind of little balance at first, like getting them to understand where they should and shouldn't go into the gaming space, like gamers and people that like in, like in this generation really can, for, can see past a lot of advertising. Right. In good or bad ways, you know, and I think if you find that marriage, I think there was like there was a great marriage for both the audience and a great marriage for the sponsor. Um, and I think that was definitely something that we we had to kind of walk through a lot of clients and let them understand what they're going through and how to how to be best represented, you know, because at the end of the day, like if if you push your brand too hard in front of somebody in front of the product itself, people uh, just would just, you know, would blast it basically, you know. Like, you, there's, like, that moment, like, where the organic nature of content turns into co- to commercial to the point where it's so commercial that people just don't want anything to do with that. And I think that's something that we uh, definitely, over that time, had to lean kind of lean and teach clients into understanding that. And they really got it at a certain point, you know. and But inevitably, like, it, it was interesting because the gaming uh, – I think it was it – was, at 2012, gaming was definitely getting to a point where um, – it was a lot more socially acceptable for sure, you know? And like by the time the PS4 and the Xbox had launched again, 360 was like a big launching platform already before that point. And PS4 was a little tagging behind. I mean, sorry, PS3, sorry. PS3 was tagging behind on the Xbox 360 at the time. And so you, you could see a lot of that, those things were kind of evolving. Like when the PS4 did launch, it became such a behemoth. I think that moment happened where like everyone and their sponsors really want to get behind that and stuff, you know. So, uh, it's 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 good. You know, the good thing about IGN is that they're really smart about separating the editorial from the branded side of things, um, because editorial shouldn't be compromised at all costs. Because there's no reason to do that, frankly. There were like early instances not IGN, but like in other spaces that that was definitely an issue, and we we wanted to make sure that we would never be like in that position. Those literally like editorial would never communicate. Uh, would, would stay in there basically their own island to deal with the reviews, previews and stuff. So they didn't can't get muddled by uh, the branded side of things. And that was fine because inevitably, like we figured out brand stuff that the audience really cared about and wanted to be a part of anyway. And so it helped for both the client and us by doing that, you know? And it, we've definitely had times where there's like, you know, the client wants a certain thing, but we need to make sure we're doing this. And it was always that kind of balancing act that it was really important to keep, uh, you know, it's, it's about protecting the brand. Because right. at the end of the day, like you have to protect the IGM brand because that's your job, you know, inevitably like that, that brand pays your check. But it also like um, it is also really important that, you know, I have a lot if I work underneath a company's banner. Um, it is important for me to give that much as much respect as possible, and to make sure that there's nothing that's kind of walking its way, bullying its way to potentially hurting that brand, you know. So that's the most important thing you could always consider or assess in that situation. So that was something I learned through all that. Sorry, that was me going on a tangent there.
0: No, please, I've, this is so fantastic. You, you know, uh, and I want to say in this similar vein, it's great because I've been thinking about. How could I intro uh, with a question, hundred Thieves and how that found its way into your career path and your skill sets? But instead of even a question, I really do want to pass it off to you. If you could talk about your intro to 100 thieves, and you know, obviously hundred thieves as a company is different than, say, a company like IGN, you know, 100 thieves, it's eSports it's lifestyle. Um, so what has all that been like for you? Is that something you were always really eager to dive into?
1: Uh, It's really interesting. Um, Basically, uh, (laughs) well, yeah, basically the opportunity happened. Someone had had a a headhunter hit me up This do Nathan, who's fantastic. Um, And uh, Nathan hit me up and basically we had a really good talk about – uh, Nathan Claus's name. If you want to look up, great dude, super <laughs> awesome headhunter. Uh, but Neil say like this dude hit me up. We had a really good rapport. We had a really good talk, and he asked me to talk to me talk to some folks over at the Hundred Thieves Land, and I was at IGN. And the interesting thing, uh, this is the strangest part of the story. So I was in San Francisco at IGN for a very long time, and over um, I there was there was word on the street that we were potentially going to build a studio in Burbank, uh, uh, in LA. So, um, and so, uh, basically I was like, all right, so maybe this is a good enough time for us to go finally out to, uh, the whole LA area, right. And do that. So I've actually moved my family down from San Francisco to Burbank with IGN still at the time. The hundred thieves thing for me was so interesting because, um, Esports, I was interested in. I'm not, like, a diehard esports guy, but I love what esports means and what it is, like, for the community and, what, and gaming as a whole. Like, this was, like, this, this thing that was evolving on the side. And I would go to all these events, and I would see uh, esports just grow and grow. And I was watching it, and just it was just a mass level. And um, and it was always also brought up all the time during conversations with um clients and stuff over at IGN where eSports was like, what is this eSports thing? How could I get involved in that, you know? So like, it was always this thing where I was like, this is intriguing. I don't really know if this is the, the space in which I'm like, I'm going to be full on or what it, this is, but I'm definitely intrigued on in what this is. Um, and so basically what happened was that whole opportunity happened, but then, um, and so I went and talked with uh, John Robinson John it was just like a, an amazing talk. We had this. I was like, th- I was really in awe of this dude. It was a really smart business guy. Um, really, just, uh, f- just full on was like, all right, I like this guy. I understand where he's come from. He's a real smart business dude, and he his head's in the right place about what they're talking about doing with esports. Esports to me at that point was like a like a winner loss The company basically lived or died by winner losses, and I was like, okay, I don't know if I want to be a part of something that could be a winner loss situation, you know, and so. What uh, 100 Thieves did differently was this lifestyle angle, right? And there was John. I talked with him, had great talks with him. But then I uh, met with Matt, Nadeshot, right? So Nadeshot, I don't know if anyone's familiar with him, not. Like, the quick catch-up on him is he's been in esports for ages. And then he went off to spawn off his, like, YouTube career. And that did really well for him, doing, like, a vlogger and stuff. And then, basically, this became his, like, inspiration for him to grow this company, 100 Thieves. And, um... Yeah, like this brand was very early and new, and it was something really interesting. Uh, but the part that I liked about it was with you know with talking with John, so the apparel was becoming a really popular part of the brand of 100 Thieves. It wasn't just the esports, and I love the esports part of it. That was great because that's the win or lost thing, right? But they did, have, but it had a lot more verticals planned in the schedule of like how they're trying to do with the company and the brand. And I really dug um, that. The apparel part was something, and then meeting with Matt, I was like kind of in awe of like meeting this dude. Um, I knew of Matt's stuff, but I didn't like know like I was like a like a super Nate shot fan, but I could see that why people were really kind of like (laughs) enthralled by what he could do and bring to the table. And I I love the idea that that was like a mainstay for the brand of Hundred Thieves. I likened Matt to uh, like. Matt is like the Walt Disney to the Disney brand, you know, like he is like a, a, a visual brand, a visual persona of the brand that people can get it hooked onto and attracted to that makes it exciting. And you want to feel like you're involved with him. And Matt was so good at being a guy that you could be like, I, I get you. Like we're, we're the kind of like, we understand. And so inevitably it was very, uh, I was on board with what the brand was going to do and the company was going to do because of that. The opportunity was brought to my attention with John. It was like, this was very new and content was like they wanted to go big on content and I was like ah oh, very cool like I see where you're coming from they had done a couple episodes uh, they had done like I think like almost most of the season of the heist was happening during the time when I was like in the interview process and I had watched that with uh, what Gabe and Logan who were like the early contributors to the company were doing and I was like I I dig this like this doc stuff was great but it also was really smart and it was personal it felt like something different And there was something there. And so I was really excited by the opportunity to do this. And, you know, like I said, like we had already come out here for something else. And I was like, wait a minute, this was a really cool opportunity to really deal with, dig with. And Hundred Thieves as a brand was new. Like it was like, it was, it was like, I don't know. I got, you know, I had a kid, a wife, I'm like, (laughs) am I crazy here? Like, do I buy into this? Like, is this a real thing? Like you know, but it was new and it was like game space, but like plus, it was like the, the 2.0 version of the content gaming space, you know, and uh, yeah, like it was a really interesting kind of opportunity. So I got there, no, don't no real, really, no really team there at that point. So I had to build the team out from the ground up, um, and then we had to start, you know, getting equipment and all these
0: things. We were working on WeWork, so I oh I my went, god wow and you contrast that to where you guys are the the cash app building that's insane yeah it's insane right like yeah like the uh the the uh, and i at that point
1: too like frankly to be straight with honesty when all that was going down. I got there in the first couple months. I was like, wait a minute, I'm working a wee work. Like, <laughs> what have what have I done? Like, if I like, right. am I am I done the right thing? Like, are these the right moves? Like, definitely thought for like a hot minute I'm like, did it this like if I create a career suicide here? Uh, but at the same time, like Hunter Thieves was growing still, the brand was popular, people were loving it, the apparel was like popping, people were going nuts for it. And John had all these ideas about growing this, like he had the building thing. That was like early. Like, I was like, I remember this because the, the part that got me um, really bought in when I officially signed on for Hunter Thieves uh, was obviously everything I had talked to you about. But then there was the Drake, the Drake part of it. Oh, right. The whole buy-in with, with Scooter, Drake, and that whole kind of thing. And then at, at IGN, we were very familiar with the world. The moment happened when Ninja and Drake happened, that was, like the, that was kind of a key moment in the content, gaming, Absolutely cycle right like the ninja drake moment was like every i could i remember going to idea the next day and everyone's like oh my god did you see this like it like basically mainstream had walked in its way into the front door of like the back door of of, uh i'm sorry the front door of twitch the back door into gaming and no one had imagined this happening and everyone was like oh wow look this is something absolutely fascinating so when john told me about the drake thing i really like frankly honestly i came to la and I'm always like worried because like I don't know if LA is like a bunch of people. Like I'm like a New Yorker guy, that like you know I'm like, do I trust people here? And John tells me the Drake thing, and I'm like, all right, whatever, do Drake's list. I don't... And then he shows me the picture with him and Matt, and I'm like, oh wow, this is a real thing. Okay, all right, okay, okay, okay. I think I'm in on this. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, man, like it's it was it was a really, um, it's an interesting opportune opportune moment when this was happening in the birth of this little company. It was starting to grow and have a little legs out of it, which was crazy. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I don't know, gaming and content, I don't know where it's going, but this is frankly pretty interesting. And like I said, the compound and all the stuff that would happen after, which I don't know if the, your fan base understands this, but yeah. there was this thing called, we grew a, we started a building called the Cash App Compound, 100 Thieves Cash App Compound, which is our kind of our big facility for the company. And John had talked about this early on. We went and toured a bunch of places, and I'm like, "Is this real? Are we really doing this? Like, we're in a WeWork. Like, I don't know what this is, you know? Like, and inevitably, like, yeah, it came to fruition, man. It came, it became a real thing. Uh, it was crazy. We built this team, built all this gear for it. I got to build like this LCS stage." Uh, in the, that team house and then we got to build a podcast in the content house with Matt and Jack and then we built this fucking like AK studio that was inside the compound. That was crazy. But like it was like it's been it's been a wild ride. A wild ride, I will say, for the last like uh two and a half years especially then after you know many other stories we can go on about like the world of COVID and how we had to kind of work through all that too. But yeah. man, it's it's nuts. It was but 100 thieves notably like it was it was, it's just a weird moment where I was like, do I take a risk in this this world of esports? And it seems to have been pretty good so far. Like esports is, seems to be popping off. So I'm happy with that part of it.
0: Yeah, and I'll say what's so wild too. I mean, uh, the consistency of this pattern, Mike, of me, you, me, you, me, like it, it's pretty unbelievable. It's, it's a little bit weirdly prolific, but let me ask as well. So y- you were saying that, um you know what really drew you in to 100 Thieves wasn't so much the esports but it was more in the culture and it becoming a lifestyle brand and it it finding its way into so many different verticals. Um and obviously what's interesting there is as you just uh, elaborated on you started with them at the WeWork. So you were very early on when this was just being birthed. So if the culture is really what drew you to this how were you constantly mindful of that when you were building out content, and even now, now that it's scaled to this unbelievable degree, what is those elements to the culture that has always had you so excited to build on?
1: Uh, I mean, there's just so many. I mean, like the the interesting part about what Hundred Thieves has is like we have really a really great uh, production team across like all maps of the of the sphere now. Now for sure, um, but uh, yeah, like it's. Uh, what I think we we, were, we by signing uh, a lot of the creators that we brought underneath our umbrella and signing these, these teams and finding ways that we feel like are exploring the space inside the gaming space with, with the teams, um, I think that's a major part of the component that made it really sexy and, and different and staying with the vibe and stuff. And that's definitely a concern we always talk about all the time is keeping this brand, like much like with the IGN conversation, is keeping brand intact. Uh, it's really important to the whole the the whole populace of what we're trying to make here um, uh, You know, I, we, we signed some really interesting. We had some great signings, frankly um, And uh, you know, like Jackson doll is like one of the that dude is like super brain, you know, 30 for 30s Jackson doll uh, But like that dude has signed some amazing talent that brought over the team for the influencer side of things which has been really a big part of kind of the transcending of the brand and doing what we're doing. Uh, it's so interesting because it's like um, in my time, I, I um, we got there and that we had just got our Call of Duty team, not in the uh, Call of Duty league. This was like the, the whole world league and stuff at the time. And so that was like a big deal because Matt had come from the Call of Duty world. And so we built out kind of this world of, like, building the Call of Duty world and all those players. And so we got to live through that for, like, the first four or five months, maybe six months, like, before we signed in a couple other bigger creators. And we actually, I'm sorry, before we even got on, I got on board, they had signed Noah and Ray, Valkyrie. And Ray, with the time, like, you know, she was she was a streamer, but, like, you know, this is, like, I, do, I don't know how Jackson was figure out, but Ray has become, like, such a big deal over, like, the last... Uh seven eight I mean, yeah, seven, eight, nine months, I guess. Yeah, it's been a, a bit. You know, she's a stream of the year, so she's legit. That's all right. Content creator of the year. I think content creator of the year, right? With the game awards. So uh she uh it was which was fantastic. I, but I remember when these per- people were signed. I was talking to John and I'm like, why are we signing? This is an esports company. Why are we why are they signing these people? Are they esports people? And uh, it's such an interesting choice that they made to make a decision to bring in the creators inside the fold of Hunter of Thieves, because I really think, like, that's the thing that makes Hunter Thieves a little bit different from mm. most of the esports out there. Um, the other orgs that are out there are mostly game-related like related on wins or losses, right? And then I think that is something that now a lot of them are starting to play catch-up on. Uh, but not many of them were doing at the time. You know, TSM had with Myth, and those guys, but Phase, Phase is like the thing, you know? Right. Inevitably, you have to have a lot of respect for what FaZe has done in this space, but they, they have definitely a, kind of, a, they are the cool vibe. And I think Hundred Thieves is similar to that, but we're a little bit of a different way of that cool vibe. We're like we play a little heftier on the esports angle and the influencers of just like positivity and just different ways that we handle our, 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 our content in that way, I guess.
0: Yeah, and on that, it, was this your first foray into uh, using influencers as a part of content to the scale that you do for a hundred thieves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what has that process been like? It's super interesting. Well, it's
1: it really came down to Jack, uh, Jack Courage Dunlop. Uh, really was the the starting ground for what would be the tone shift in the brand of content side of things. Um, Jack's great. All all our creators are great. Everyone we have underneath our umbrella is fantastic. But like, what Jack brought to the table was such an interesting thing because people had been excited about the idea of maybe Jack and come join our team. And that was like Matt was dropping little bombs and in his vlogs and stuff, getting people teased and excited. And then when we finally got an opportunity to sign Jack, like that was the moment where I was like, we we should we were we knew we had a big announcement to make. But really, the big thing for us was like, how how do we do this differently? how do we come to the eSports space but do an announcement different that could basically kind of set a new stream for what we're going to do with Jack? Jack was different. He wasn't like – he was He was full of energy. He was big and boisterous, and it was something different there. And we knew that we were going to do a podcast with Matt and him, and we knew we were going to try to play with the idea of, like, they're going to move to this content house, and Jack's going to move in with them, and this is going to become a big thing. And that's basically where it started the trail for – creating kind of that element and asset to the world which was like 100 thieves is not just an esports company and docs we are so much more and you're about to experience that and that became the new trail of like content house and and the podcast and all just the fun one-offs that we would do with them and personal takes on them and stuff like that a lot of different ways that we would kind of play with that and experiment with that during that time
0: so um uh, wow sorry i kind of lost track of that a little bit no this is so i mean god this is this makes my job so easy all i want is for you to feel comfortable to talk and share your insights and your thoughts and uh i'm so glad you've you've not held back back. and Uh, i mean i don't ever hold back um well i'm wondering then as, as sort of a final topic what uh is the philosophy that you are constantly going back to and thinking about um, when you think about uh, expanding the content and maybe finding different platforms or leveraging influencers and in new and creative ways, making content. and you know, this is something we could get into as well. But you know the YouTube channel, it's so unique to a YouTube channel of uh, other organizations where it does feel more almost like a YouTuber, kind of content. It is so personalized. It's so engaging. So I guess if you could talk about what the philosophy is and, you know, when you think about how you're applying that to such a unbelievably rapidly evolving space and company like a hundred thieves. Yeah. How are you sort of uh, applying these things?
1: Well, I mean, just to be very clear, we have a really great uh, content team across everything here. Um, And um, it's great. Like we just got in uh, Jeremy Azevedo, like he, who was formerly, formerly from IGN, uh, but had actually come from the source fed world with Phil, De, Phil, De, Phil DeFranco and stuff like that. Uh, he had recently uh, recently came into the company uh, seven months ago at this point. And with him, he came in as our, our VP to work with me and, and the team basically to grow and kind of basically take the pillars that we'd already set, but to expand past those pillars uh, and as you can see, now we have now uh, three channels to expand into that whole thing. Um, we have now our main Hunter Thieves hub, and now we have the LA Thieves hub. Obviously, LA Thieves is our new Call of Duty team, which we recently announced, and everyone's pretty excited about. We're we're back in Call of Duty after a very short retirement, I guess. Um, so we're all back, which is great. Uh, and then there's our esports, uh, our Hunter Thieves esports channel page now, which is just solely focused. On esports which is 100 thieves is all about uh in that whole space of like really bringing a lot more esports content to it because the interesting thing was like you know <laughs> like much to what i said like i started in here it was an esports ch- company that had a couple influencers and then jack came in and we started changing and pivoting and all these other things started happening in the world of Hundred thieves and so we became like a content Uh, influencer with esports and it was like a big old mess. We had a lot of stuff in that, in that, in that bunker, but like inevitably, like it, it, it was great because now we had seen the variety that we could play with. Right. So we have a a really good sized team now that we've been creating out a lot of like people that have been in the YouTube space uh, from all different directions are like filling in these gaps for us to create this bigger team for us with inside content it's it's nuts it's really crazy but like it's fantastic because now we're having all these people from the different walks of life in there kind of building this like a bigger version of the world of thieves now you know like we started i came in there and there was a couple there was two full-timers and a couple part-timers uh the we've I've grown that cycle to the point where, where I could grown it at that point point. Jeremy came in and now he's brought new people that can help expand that part of it. So like a, there are people on our team now that are from formerly from like mythical and from oh, wow. uh, uh there's some from, hmm. uh from Smosh and from uh Rooster Teeth and there's ones from like FBE and like we have uh people that are formerly from the other side of the other parts of the esports chunk of the world. And like, it's growing like a bigger reach across all scope of the YouTube world, you know? And I think that's a really important, and it's not just YouTube, by the way, like we are like, we're, we're attacking on, on all different levels. Like we're going after, like you should never ignore stuff like Twitch. I'm sorry, not Twitch, but Twitch is part of it too, obviously, but Twitter and Insta and podcasting. Uh, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Podcasting, which is, Hey, look looks like we're doing here, but Yeah. <laughs> But like, yeah, even like podcasts and audio and stuff like that, like it's we're trying all different reaches to play with different things. We just signed with CAA not too long ago. It gives us hopefully an open breath to have more opportunities to see what we can play in the space. You know, Um, it's a really cool time to see what we can do with the stuff. And the people that are being part of this company and growing with this is just fantastic and really creative people that have brought really big impact to this Uh, to the brand because people are behind the brand it's nice to like uh it's always nice to be a part of something that you're all growing this thing together and it seems to be growing and everyone's really reacting to it on a public level like really excited about what we're doing with it so it's very cool um and i you know like it was like uh to the point like we did this thing called the blueprint which was um done last month yeah last month which was an upfront for our content like a keynote, like who does keynotes about your content, you know, right. but like, and we actually had this idea, like I was wanting to do this last year before, uh, all the fun COVID stuff kind of came in hot, but like, um, the, uh, We were going to do this last year, but inevitably we just didn't have enough things to really showcase to really do it. And then this year we had a really big thing we had to get off and make sure the audience understood, which is these three channels. Now we have not just one, but we are now 100 Thieves, like a network almost in a way. So, you know, it was important that letting the audience understand that you can get your stuff in a specific place, which, you know, in youtube land like, that's what you want to do is like if you're building content on your channel your channel should be made for that particular audience in a particular way if you throw a lot of different things in there it will get messy and you will have like you know esports fans aren't a guarantee that they're going to translate to the influencer fans but at the same time like you hope they do and they i think a lot of that definitely still happens but i think a lot of people are just like they want to be a part of the world of 100 thieves and so the more channels the more content like that's awesome you want to be a part of all that so you know and that's kind of the great part that what 100 thieves can bring to the table you know and I, it's exciting it's
0: fantastic a, yeah yeah sorry no, man. Yeah. i like i went on a tangent big time that- this is great now again it's so funny when people apologize for that it's like this is why i brought you on you're you're doing you're over delivering here but um, Mike, you know, I'll just say again, uh, hearing your entire career trajectory, I think is so interesting. And you know what I love? It really does seem like, um, one of the most important parts to what led you to where you are now was in starting that small business with your friends of the land parties in, uh, 2003 ish. Uh, and that sort of did direct its way here, but, um, Mike, again, I want to say a huge thank you for coming on to really discuss all this. And before we wrap up, is there any other point uh, or call to action, something that we were not able to uh, make mention of? No, nah,
1: I think, we, I think we, we got through a lot of the backlog. <laughs> but I mean, I, I appreciate you getting me an opportunity to come here and talk about this. Uh, it's nice. It's really weird to realize as we keep talking about that, how many things kind of connect in the line, which is weird because you just don't have an opportunity to go this far in the backlog and kind of dig through that those those things. But uh, blowing off all those cobwebs, at least let me kind of uh, look back at the gaming world and see how much it really has kind of grown and being a part of it at a really interesting time uh in this space and i, I can only hope or I imagine that it will be bigger and bigger as time goes by because i mean based on the numbers especially over last year gaming is uh far from
0: not going to be unpopular it's quite popular these days so a hundred percent um and i mean of course we learned about the for me for you uh career pattern uh but I don't want to say it's the right way to do it,
1: kids. So just <laughs> <laughs> don't be, don't go so crazy sometimes. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it, it pays out sometimes uh, when you have these these little opportunities to see the world of uh, something that you're passionate and you love and you hope that you can make that your career.
0: That's always a nice thing to have, you know? So thank you. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, Mike, again, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tube Circuit please subscribe for more deep dives breakdowns in interviews on the direction of digital media